0: Hey everyone, my name is Brian Howard. I'm a Calgary realtor who has sold an average of a house a week since moving to this great city in 2003. And this is Calgary Living, Real Estate and Lifestyle. I'm interviewing Calgary's top performers as it relates to living and lifestyle in our great city. Some of the podcasts will be real estate decision specific, but most will be about life in Calgary and why we choose to live here, or at least why you should visit. Thanks for tuning in well folks welcome to another edition of living in calgary today i am pleased to have my old friend james kendall on the show james and i met back in 2010 in well you wouldn't believe it well i actually have met a few (laughs) friends like james on twitter on uh, on twitter we met on twitter follow friday somehow and uh i remember that that was great um James is, uh, and then we, we, as, uh, as we got to know each other, uh, we were chasing each other's on bicycles, bikes, bike racing, and, uh, we've become, uh, quite, uh, quite good competitors and good friends as, uh, we uh, try to hold each other's wheel. And Jan- James has surpassed my wheel and moved on to higher levels in the bike racing community here in Alberta. He's a cat one, two racer. Well, I, meanwhile, I stayed pretty much cat three and, um, he is currently, he lives in Canmore with his wife Misty of 18 years, 11 year old daughter Allison. He's worked in the a long career in hospitality of in the winery, lots of wineries, uh, hotels, and restaurants. And currently, um, well, actually, recently, four or five years ago, James, and we'll get into a little bit, I was quite worried about you with cancer. He beat it. I think he went out to stage four cancer. and um, And he is bike racing again and has been for at least a couple of years and are uh, not really because of COVID, but training and yeah. <laughs> currently yeah. getting ready for cyclocross season and working on a new startup. James, welcome to the show. Hey, well, thanks, Brian. It's great to see you. And uh, I, don't, I don't think I've seen you in, in,
1: in person since we did a big ride, uh, a ride for Ryan at uh... A couple of seasons last year, right?
0: Not quite a yeah, just in May of 20 uh, May of twenty twenty COVID twenty twenty. That's right, yeah. That was such a pleasure to do, and that kind of started at the COVID season. Um, like, uh, so t- tell us a little bit of that ride, James. It was up to that point, my second longest ride ever. Two hundred, we did like two hundred seventy k or something, right? Yeah, we did. Uh,
1: it was it was two two fifty and change. And um, that was also my second longest ride. We did a Mito Canada ride many years ago that was about the same distance. But that ride was in remembrance of a well-known endurance racer and 24-hour of adrenaline winner, Ryan Corey, who was diagnosed with uh, stage four colon cancer in the same week that that I was. And uh, sadly, he he did not survive, but uh, his memory certainly lives on in in the community
0: what year was that it was 2017 i think 2017 july of 2017 yeah that week he did something epic and um and so did you you were both like kind of on the podiums of uh of racing and at the sort of the within a day or two of each other um we're both uh diagnosed with stage four colon cancer is that correct
1: yeah, so Ryan, um, um, he, he won the 24 hours of adrenaline, and he knew that something was wrong. He had had a lot of pain, and um, he, uh, he raced, and he raced through that pain. He won the race, and then sadly, you know, his uh, same doctor as me, Court Bajakov here, he had a colonoscopy, and then they said, yeah, it was bad news um, for myself. I knew something was wrong and it had been going on for a good four or five months, but you know, the triage to get the diagnosis, I, I just kept living with it and going through the process, um, paying attention to my body, training, training got, started to get harder and harder each month uh, as each month went by. I mean, I went down to Mexico and rode with the National Speed Skating Team for four days and, and Joel Garofsky banging off 200 kilometers a day in, in Jalisco State. And uh, like, I like, I don't know what I was doing to myself, but... To get back to the point same uh, the week previous you know ryan he won the 24 hours of adrenaline and i uh did the provincial masters road race and broke away with uh, stephen monday from edmonton and dug really real real deep and it's like left it all out there because i knew the next day i was going in for for a scope and uh, and i figured something wasn't right right so and then the next day um it was technically it was stage 3.5 uh, colon cancer so wow 65 percent 65% risk of, uh, of, of, of death, um, but triage quickly got into the system in Calgary. Amazing, amazing uh, surgeons and, and cancer docs at Tom Baker and at Peter Lougheed Center there. Um, uh, they were confident I was physically fit, said you could beat it. And uh, I just looked at it. Um, I went about it like I would training. It was like, you know, next year in my life is training for something completely different. Um, also, a big part of it was, you know, getting that support from the community uh, to survive, right? Like, if you're trying to, you, you can't do these things on your on your own, it's impossible.
0: Mm-hmm. So. I remember you're sharing quite a lot on, like, Instagram and you know, Facebook and stuff. And, uh, you know, just kind of watching that process. And it was, like, astounding. Uh, I guess, to sort of uh, going back on, like, in terms of the social and sharing uh, I don't feel like i, I you know you're you're sharing quite as much like or as you know as deeply as you were at that time just any uh, sort of observation or comment on that is it was it is it helpful to share that uh you know you're sharing every like a lot and it was uh we were, yeah, we, were, I mean, we were cheering from 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 the distance for sure
1: the um the day that i got uh, the day that i got a uh off the. I was conscious, and I saw, I actually saw, I saw, I, I saw that, oh, that's weird, there's an alien inside of me, it's a big tumor, mm. and, uh, you know, post, uh, post-procedure, my, uh, my, my doctor, he told me to, uh, I might get a little emotional here, he told me to enjoy my sunny days, and I was like, what, This was like, first thought, my family, second thought, life, and then third thought, oh, Jesus, it means I can't. I'm not going to be bike crazy anymore, um, but I went through a, a couple of days of, of, of uh, existential crisis, I guess you could call it, and it reminded me of uh, um, this, the, the uh, short story of a prisoner in the Spanish War, gets death sentence, and then a couple of days later, they remove that death sentence, so I went through some really dark days, and then um, rather than internalizing it and suffering and then um, having that come out, perhaps negatively to the people around me, I thought, you know what, I'm going to share this, I'm going to share this, and that's my nature. Um, that could be sometimes perceived as being a little bit self-centered, but actually I, I found that it inspired a lot of people, and uh, people go, they go one of two ways, I think, when, when, they, when, they, when they are faced with a crisis like that. They either hold it all in, um, which that in itself is not healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. or or you can share it and and quickly I was connected with other people in the community who were going through cancer and uh, they they helped me along in the process so um, I'd also have to say that when my when my doctors uh oncologists radiologists uh, and surgeons when they said that you know what like you're going to beat this like you're really strong physically and you're just going to have to do the steps so um, wow! Well, they were a little longer than I expected. I thought I'd be dead by Christmas, and then when I finished my surgery, my, uh, you know, I went through eight weeks of chemo and radiation, recovered, had massive surgery, um, and then I thought it was done and I'd start training again in January. But my uh, oncologist, uh, uh, Doctor Monzon, Jose Monzon, Tom Baker, he goes, "Well, now we have to do six months of chemotherapy just to make sure we get everything out of your body." And I'm like, "Well, okay." <laughs> so. So that was, that was a little bit of a surprise. So the one thing, too, and, and, and to any of the listeners here, um, you have to answer, you have to ask questions. Um, and sometimes you just don't know what those questions are. So, mm-hmm. And your your the medical profession, they don't necessarily answer all of your questions, right? So you can't make assumptions. So you got to do a lot of fact-finding, a lot of research. Nutrition is really important. Uh, making sure that you, you do the right things to
0: also help your uh, you succeed when you're doing you wow wow interesting and um james we most recently um connected again just in the, in the past few days on facebook of you know our, our common group in facebook i think it's the abv velo maybe it's the group AB velo, yeah
1: yeah
0: and you asked the question uh, you know of the audience um due to your participation with uh, I think the Alberta Bicycle Association actually can you tell us a little bit about that position and then the question that you asked uh, to try to engage you know our community
1: sure yeah so um I'm the vice president of racing so I chair uh, a racing committee which kind of oversees uh race organizers um, racers upgrades, etc cetera, etc cetera. but we haven't had racing well for almost two years now two seasons we we've, we've had some minor events going off. We had some track racing, but I was watching what's going on south of our border, and then looking at you know when, and I'll and I'll get to folks at the border. Um, but I'm looking at the scene we've had here in Alberta over the last decade since I got back into racing in 2010, and it's been the same same races each year, um, same events, uh, same frequency. But I've also noticed you know we're losing some events as well. We're losing our road races that are that are out on on, on longer circuits, out on highways. And it's getting harder to organize. And then I've been watching, I've been following the uh, Legion cycling down in the U.S. and these U.S. criteriums, and they're super exciting. And some people, when they hear the word criterium, they say criterium short circuit, one kilometer. I mean, the most famous one is Stuart de Bonas. We've seen pretty epic crashes in there. Um, but um, circuit races or closed circuits, um, I, I'm, i want to see if we can encourage maybe more of them, because I think it's also a good way to get, uh, to get kids racing as well. It's big, right. They're not, a, they're not, a way. um, and the more we do criterion racing or even track racing for that matter, the better we get it by handling our Like the, the more nimble we, we nimble we become, but I also thought maybe having some structure and coming up with uh, three different series. So road racing, uh, Criterion racing and then throwing in some time trials. So we can kind of at these three different communities. And at each month we can have expectation of doing a different a different type of race. And then throwing in some stage races in this as well. You know, stage races are lots of fun. We have one here in Camor, We have the Tour de Bonas, we've had Velocity. But they're getting harder to organize as well. So, um, and for for athletes, um, you know, it, it's a lot of commitment to take three days out of your life. For, and
0: their families and, and to, to go in, to go and race so what and is that the mad, why are we lo- why are we losing them and why are they getting harder to like host and organize is it liability or the or letitia society why i don't i actually have no clue why is why is it harder than it used to be
1: i think uh, getting permits to, to race on uh, open roads um, why is
0: know. that harder is it letitia's like uh, legal reasons why, why like the permits processes harder? So is I think it, it, it,
1: it comes down to um, different communities and pushback from residents who are not in the cycling community. And they don't want people, they don't want people racing on the roads and, uh, um, you know, I want to stay positive. But whenever, whenever I've done Tour de Beaunas, which is a fantastic race, Bob, you know, Bob does a great job. But when I'm out on that Horse Creek Road, that loop there. It's a narrow road, and you got oncoming traffic, and you you do get the odd you do get the odd uh, vehicle that's just not happy that there's cyclists out there. So, um, mm. um, and it's not a closed circuit. And it's the same here in Canmore. We have a we have a, a wonderfully horrible road circuit that has a lot of climbing back and forth on the Three Sisters Parkway. and and again, you know, having the permits to race on that and then keeping traffic away from the peloton—it's—it's—it's uh, it, it, harder. So there is, there's an element of risk and there's quite a bit of liability, and I think that, that that's uh that brings some fear to to an organizer. Right?
0: Mm. Interesting. Um, but
1: on the flip side, it just quickly, like there are some circuits, and and we were talking about on that that forum, like the Dogtown circuit, where the local residents are ranchers and farmers. It's not an issue there it's about a 10 kilometer loop it's exciting and and, and that one is easy for easier for organizers uh, to arrange it it's uh, not too far away from the medical support and hospitals
0: et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. um and so I, so I was surprised in the, a little bit surprised um in, in, the, in the sort of you'd like to you're, i think you're kind of promoting or encouraging more crit style racing um you know, the comment was, uh, "Well, uh, crashes happen more in crits." Um, any any thoughts on that? Or
1: well, you know, crashes do happen more. In, 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 they can happen more in crits, and I've been involved in several. In the two biggest crashes I've had over the last ten years have been in here in Camar and at the Tour and at the Tour de Bonas. But I don't find them to be as catastrophic as, as a road race because you typically you're at high speed, and when you crash, you tend tend to slide. You tend to slide out in the corner. Albeit, you know, when you're fifth or sixth wheel coming into that last corner, there's there's a uh, there's a quote I remember from uh, one of Canada's most prolific uh, bike racers, Gord Fraser, who won. He was a pro. He even raced in the Tour of France, and he won gas how many times? And he said, "The difference between winning and the winning, if you want to win in a crit, you have to be prepared to either be first or go to the hospital." So that that yeah, that's a bit extreme, but um. um when races are fast and the and the strung out, I find them to be quite safe. It's it's when they bunch up and the race slows down that that danger that danger can happen. But it also depends on the course design. And I think the more we do it, uh, the less it happens. But I have seen, you know, when it, when we're road racing though, like the most uh, impactful and horrendous and big crash that result in ambulance trips to the hospital. I think they, I find them happening. Right, so mm-hmm. you can be traveling at higher rates of speed. You're on you're on a narrow road, and uh, you, you don't have fencing and padding to go into. Um, you know, and I, I think we can recall Velo, uh, Velo City. There's there's been some you know up in Edmonton the last time we raced in 2017. You know, mass pile up and Cat 4 race that resulted in multiple injuries. That, that comes kind of comes down to weather,
0: course design, etc. Interesting, um, James. I kind of want to step away and go a little slightly different direction. Um, I guess it must have been like when you started racing, and I think I started my first road race was sometime after doing a triathlon in two thousand and nine or something with Nicholas Group. And um, I, I think you maybe you mentioned that you started in two thousand and ten, back again after your teenage days. So we would have both been like in our sort of early-ish, mid-40s uh, starting racing again. Um, and uh, And I remember getting to CAT 3 reasonably quickly. Like, I mean, maybe it took a two or three years. And I remember you get stuck in cat five for like way longer than you should have been. Uh, And that, to me, that was like unbelievable, but sort of like truthful in the way that we had these uh, quite a few, like really fast guys, like Olympian type fellows, like Robin Clegg and uh, you know, speed skaters, they just get ripping through the system. uh, I just can't remember. Do you have any comment on that? Like the, how long were you in cat five before like rolling up the ranks finally to cat one, two. And, um, and, and like, it was, to me, it was just like so funny that you, you'd show up a race and you're doing you know really well, but then, you know, the Olympian would show up and <laughs> just take it.
1: Oh yeah, sure. I mean, Robin Clegg, he was with us in RMCC. We, we, we went out and recruited a bunch of the retired
0: 2010 Olympians. Oh, that's what happened. It was your own fault, then. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was his domestique in the in the in the Banff Bike Fest. Um, yeah. So I uh, uh my first race back was 2010, uh, low City. I was dead last, dead last, and I uh, thought, okay, this is a starting point. Um, it took me it took me one and a half seasons. So I raced that year, did a couple races, and then in uh, 2011, um, ramped up pretty quick. Got into Cat Four, got into Cat Three in one season. The following, I got up to Cat Two. The goal was to get into Cat Three because I wanted to go down and race in the sort of uh, the mountain cycling class down in the U.S. A oh. um, uh, you know the trick to get out of Cat Five is to not blow up in the first twenty minutes and then attack and then just take off right or in a crit attack on the gun and drop half the field yeah <laughs> and then use I, I I um in full disclosure I mean I admit I use time trials time trials where I got the majority of my
0: so okay yeah. how come you're so good at time trial
1: um well when i was a when i was a kid that's what i did uh, well i mean i was multi-sport out and multi the multi-discipline on on the bike but i had a big engine and um, you know good aerobic capacity and yeah, really good threshold uh, uh i just saw my time trial bike though so it uh i thought you know i don't want to do that, so um, i just want to do the short start the, the fun stuff right
0: so,
1: um, yeah, I don't do you, know why we have this fascination with suffering TT
0: bike. Yeah, do you uh, see yourself ever owning another TT bike?
1: You, you know, um, I, I've thought about it, but my my goal in the future is to do some ITU work, my some 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 ITU triathlon, and um, which is more a road bike. And uh, I'm looking at a Trek Madone that has a system set up where you can you can put on put on the bars, but. Uh, no, I mean for for dabbling back in triathlon, it's going to be just Olympic distance stuff, and um, I, I don't see the need to have a to have a bike.
0: So I see you as like a like almost a true um, roadie, roadie um, and actually that's your Twitter handle, uh, Roadie James, Roadie underscore James, mm-hmm. isn't it? <laughs> and so, um, yeah. How come you're even allowed to talk about triathlon? Um, and for the roadies in our audience, <laughs> um, uh, isn't that like uh, I mean one of the the cycling rules is a uh, you know, a, a bike ride, she'll never, uh, a run, she'll never follow a bike ride.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is that is one of the rules. But, um, you know, I started life as a swimmer. Um, my, uh, my brothers were swimmers. I was a swimmer. Uh, I used to swim, you know, one of my peers, I, I can't say I ever got up to his level, but it, for, for a time I was, I was swimming with Mark Petebury when I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And uh, so I developed all that muscle memory. I, I do like swimming. Um, and my brother, my oldest brother, who I think, yeah, there's three of us. I got two, two, two brothers, um, two sisters, but two brothers. Keith is the, the he's the iron man. He, iron man, he just likes to go out and suffer for My other brother, Jason, ex-fighter pop, lives in Hong Kong. He likes downhill mountain bike racing. He's an and junkie. I have both of them in me. So, oh. um, you know, I like to suffer, but I don't like to suffer for more than three or four hours. Um, and you know, the thing about triathlon, Brian, is that, uh, what 2019, I did my first, first triathlons. I did two back to back, which I realized was a bit much to do them back to back, but it was, um, it's completely different, uh, than, than road racing. You know, you have to really, you have to plan it and you have to pace yourself properly. I learned you can't go too deep on the bike. Great. If you come out of the water fast, but Mm. that's not a big deal. And then running. So I like challenges, and um, right. running is something that uh, takes a lot of work for me. It's not something I did as a kid. I don't have that muscle memory. I stopped running uh, this past winter, and then you know when you're trying to get back into running, it it's, it's, takes a long it's time. time. <laughs> don't but stop. But I find, uh, you know, trail running outside of cycling, trail running, and like Xterra has is great for that for, for the run. But um, I find running to be quite free, and I live on the side of a mountain get up on the montane
0: trail uh, i just, what right. i call it uh what do i call it? trail oh what trail trail surfing trail surfing oh that's beautiful <laughs> i love it i'm going to be up at your uh, in, i'm spending three days in camor uh, third friday saturday sunday this week for um a ride called ride um ride through the rockies for habitat for humanity and so it's a nice. small group of about 30 of us and um, so i may reach out to you to try to hook up for that surf run <laughs> okay if i can or if you can um james i was on a coaching call a little earlier this morning prior to our call here today and um my real estate coach actually said to me we need to plug into our gifts talents and abilities it seems to me that you're doing that well um and uh, you do that for the cycling community um i kind of want to throw that out there and ask about your involvement a little bit with our cycling community as well as um maybe incorporating that into my sort of interest or our shared interest in like you know we're we're getting i don't want to speak for you but we're similar age but i'll speak for myself like we're getting old i'm 55 this year um but i still love to race like what is it about um uh, like shouldn't i um, shouldn't we be Um, not racing anymore (laughs) at this age um anyway tell me a little bit about your gifts talents and abilities i mean going through a like a recent recent years you've gone through like almost death experience i think and um and you're still with us and plan to be for a long time and it seems to me that you are stepping up in our community and being a leader and uh, using your gifts talents and abilities to drive cycling in alberta can you speak to that a little bit
1: yeah, so um, what got me, when I started racing again, um, I was also managing a, a, a hotel in, in Banff, the Juniper Hotel, and the, the president at the time of the Round Mountain Cycling Club, now I was trying to get connected to the cycling community, and I found it actually, it was like, well, how do you connect with the cycling? How do you connect with the bike club? I went to bike shops, which for me, when I was a junior, is like that's, was your hub that you went to a bike shop and bike shops near in town were like yeah no we don't have we're not cycling clubs and somehow i got connected with jeff Perrin and uh when he found out i was managing you know uh, an organization in bath he's like hey would you consider sponsoring the the, the run a mountain cycling club so i approached my employers i was general manager of the hotel at the time and and we we came in as a sponsor um multi-year deal with with rmcc and then and then jeff said hey maybe you'd like to be the treasurer <laughs> like i'd love to right So um, it was that to me was like now I'm getting connected to to a community. and I you know a couple things. One, I mean, I spent thirty years plus in hospitality, so you're always in the service of other people. So that was a, was a learned thing for me. I, I, I wasn't born into that um, And then I was reminded of when I was a, a junior um, that there were people that you know gave of themselves. To uh, volunteer and coach youth and uh, support grassroots organizations, nonprofits, because nonprofits can't do that without you know, that. People like ourselves giving up time, right? And and but I, I I it gave me it gave me a sense of purpose. Um, you know, it's not you know, it wasn't a materialistic thing. It, it wasn't uh, um, I got a car. I feel great about that. I actually I just I drive just uh, an enjoyment. And I felt a, a new sense of purpose. And, it, you know, sometimes maybe a little bit too much for my wife to say, you can't, you can't do everything. You know, I sit on three boards. I, I sit on the ABA, the RMCC, and the swim club my daughter's swimming now. But it also ties into something that I think it's important for, for athletes and something that we need to teach young athletes is the, the concept of a long-term athlete development program. You know, we learn to, we learn to train, we learn to compete, and then we learn to, uh, you know, and then we race, but then we have to learn to volunteer because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a circle. It goes full circle, right? Because if we don't give back as as masters and, and older athletes or citizens to our communities, then how do we inspire the next generation? Or how do we get how do we get people racing? And the other thing that's interesting in the cycling community, at least when I was young, is there there um you know there were lots of uh, there were lots of youth who who came from broken families, latchkey kids back in the seventies and the eighties. So, you know, uh, my parents were divorced and I didn't see my father very much as a teenager. And uh, so I latched on, you know, I latched on to that coach, that mentor, and that was an indelible experience. Never left me. Uh, his name is Robert Gilchrist. He's still around in Edmonton. He's connected with Juventus. And um, uh, it's just, it just makes you feel good. Like I'm currently working with the run the mountain cycling club as the vice president, but we started this grassroots program coaching kids, uh twelve and thirteen years old, eleven to thirteen years old. Every Friday night we go for a road ride. And oh my God, it's so much fun. Right. So mm. and they listen like they're little civs. Like a, we taught them how to do a paceline two weeks ago. And um I said I can't even get adults to do this, right? So I know you're gonna do it when you when you get old if you ever become a bike racer. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, about community, I, I, got to ride last week with Carla Shilby, who's a blind para-athlete and her pilot, Megan, we rode 200 kilometers last Friday and I learned her story, um, and the obstacles she had to overcome and sport, you know, sport brought her out of a dark place, you know, and that's the other thing we have to watch out for, for our, for our youth is that if they are facing obstacles, challenges in life you know, sport will keep them on the path and on the right path, right? And Carla, this Friday, is meeting with, uh, we have this kids' program, uh, the bike, it's the all-girls um, program. There's a dozen uh, girls under the age of 15. They're going to the track on Friday night, and Carla's going to meet them at 8 o'clock and talk to them about, you know, body image, obstacles, how to meet challenges. Hmm, awesome. So, I mean, perhaps I've answered your question, but, I, I you know, I also... Um, you know, on a business side of things, if we were getting into business, it, it it also, I think it becomes part of your brand as well, right? Like people, you know, acknowledge, hey, you're, you're a community-minded person. And, uh, you know, I've had roots in Camor now since 29, 2009, and, and when I got sick, I didn't realize, um, you know, how important it is when you're connected to your community that when you need it back, um, you know, that community steps up and they come to your support. Like, you know, I got through cancer even financially because there was there I had, I had I had the backing of my business partner and I had the backing of all of those people that you know you met through those times of volunteering awesome
0: what's your current startup well, With the, or you if you can um, divulge right now or if this is a good time yeah
1: I can I mean startup sounds kind of sexy like high-tech stuff but it does. Uh, cool again, <laughs> yeah it's nothing high-tech but um, um, we're working on a project in Spring Creek, uh, um, Spring Creek Developments is, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Spring Creek, but it's in the mm-hmm. center of Canmore. Uh, lots of build-out of vacation rentals and that. But there's a new building going up called the Tamarack, and there's uh, 10,000 square foot uh, retail space. And we're building a, a business that's going to be a grocerant, so a niche grocery store and cafe. Oh, nice. We're just in the final days of uh, lease negotiation, and then once that, once that that's done, you know, hopefully construction starts uh, December 1 and then opening in May, June of 2022.
0: Well, good for you. That's ballsy, I think. And um, actually brings me back some memories of where you and I first met in person and it was Velo Cafe and they're seem niche grocery store which is no longer in business uh, sadly That's right yeah um yeah uh, so but I, and then I heard a couple of years ago when uh speed theory was going out of business in downtown Charlotte or downtown Calgary that um there was 5,000 independent bike stores going out of business that year like two years ago a year maybe just a year ago and um mm-hmm. in North America 5,000 bike, independent bike stores what's that seems to have changed there's been a shift since COVID I think is any have you noticed that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, if some of those bike shops had just hung on, like a Speed Three, had just hung on a couple more months with all yeah. that inventory which they they sold at discount, they 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 might have survived. I mean, Calgary's, um, I mean, it's different, right? It, it, especially in the downtown core. I think they were highly dependent on uh, on office workers in, in, in downtown. Um,
0: it seems like it the bike been... shop is doing really well, and especially with their beautiful new store on McLeod Trail. Um, just yeah, especially,
1: that. I mean, um, yeah. if they have inventory, I think inventory right. uh,
0: channels are starting to improve. Um, but
1: uh, yeah, uh, service, uh, I, I think COVID brought a lot of people out of the woodwork to to the exercise because they had free time, right? You know, you're, mm. you're stuck at home, well, let's get outside, so go buy a bike. I mean, we certainly see it here in Canmore on the legacy trail, just surpassed 1 million users over the past 10 years. Uh, and bike rental businesses are popping up. Um, the bike shops are busy. Services, you know, their service departments, I think, is what's really keeping them afloat until the inventory comes back. So, um, you know, with our with our with our project here, you know, we're we're certainly not going into it blind, and we've been working with some consultants. and And Canmore is underserved; like, it does not have enough square footage to meet the needs of the uh, in the grocery sector. And the demographics here, as you know, Brian, like this is a uh, this is high net worth. Uh, high net worth, uh, town. Um, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a hole that needs to be
0: filled. So. Good. When I'm can quite we, confident. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry. when,
0: when can we expect to go grab a coffee and have, uh, buy groceries at the store?
1: June, June of next year.
0: Great. And what's the name? What's, what's the name we should be looking for?
1: So the, the name that's on deck right now is the Willow Cafe and Grocery.
0: Okay. The Willow Cafe and Grocery, June of 2022. Mm -hmm. james we're coming up to a just a a half an hour um our listeners are going to like start to get angry with us because they want the goods um (laughs) let's sort of try to bring this to a close james what kind of ask would you have from our viewers from our listeners uh, if if there was an ask and maybe along the question i'll ask is if you had a billboard what would it say
1: if i had a billboard what would i say um well, the thing that I've learned, and then I think that's an important one, is uh, always keep moving forward. Nice. And uh, the ask that I would have is that if you can give of yourself to others, find time to do it, and you will, you will,
0: uh, will reap many
1: more rewards than you could ever expect, especially when it comes to
0: That's That's terrific. I agree, agree entirely. The more you give, the more you get mm-hmm. back. Wonderful. Well, James, um, how can people reach out to you? What's the best way? And, um, and um, yeah, how do people connect?
1: Well, Instagram uh, is my favorite uh, medium. Uh, it's uh, roadie underscore, uh, underscore James. I'm on there. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. It's just James Kendall. Uh, there's only two of us with that name. Uh, I have a doppelganger down in California with the same name, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on there. If you're in Canmore, you know on Mondays or Tuesdays, pop by the Cellar Door Wine Shop where I'm. I've uh, parked my hat there. Uh, I love wine, so <laughs> um, and I'm helping my friend Allison with her shop until we get this get this uh, grocery
0: store going. Monday or t- Monday and Tuesdays, is that right? Mondays and Tuesdays,
1: yeah, that's right. And if what you want to go for a ride, well, reach out to me then too. So.
0: Monday and Tuesdays, and what's that wine store called in Canmore that you're? We can find you. The, the Cellar Door, Oh, the Cellar Door, of course, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, James, thanks very much for being on the show. I'm going to reach out to you this weekend and see if I can go on a surf trail run with you. I'll be doing lots of riding with my group from uh, well, Habitat for Humanity and Ride Through the Rockies. We're about a small group of about 20 on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're so looking for an early morning or late afternoon short run as I prepare for Ironman Canada as I age group up this year.
1: <laughs> oh, Hey, good luck with that, Ryan. I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. That's, that's, that's huge.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah. Over and out. All right. Cheers, man. Take care. Well, that was a fun podcast chat with my old friend James Kendall. Well, you know we're uh, we're really I guess Canadian sport. Um, what we try to do as what or what our Canadian Sport Foundation does is uh, teaches us really our youth to uh, uh, learn to train. You know, develop a love, but learn to train, and then compete, and then we need to give back and volunteer, as James skindle has said. So, in this podcast, he certainly is a big contributor to our cycling scene in Alberta, um, and and uh, we wish James all the best and giving him the support and kudos and and thanks for running and working with our Alberta cycling association as a volunteer and with his own community in canmore he's done lots there uh, with promoting the youth programs and i think he's a big head in the cyclocross uh, race that they host there each year in case who should be on the podcast next who do you know that uh is a community member and would you'd love to hear please reach out to me. You can Google me. You can find me. I'm on Insta, Calgary underscore living. This is your host, Brian Howard. Until next time, thanks for spending a bit of time here with me.